Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. You guys, Tyler Lockett is going to join us in just a couple minutes. Very excited to talk to the Seahawks wide receiver. Wide receiver heavy show, by the way. Keyshawn Johnson joining us at noon. So we get Tyler Lockett, we got Keyshawn Johnson, and for all four hours, we have Michael Bumpus. Bump, um, by the way, I, for- I forgot to ask you, uh, you baked a cake. You spent hours baking a cake yesterday for your wife Jen's birthday. Finally, it was put to the test. What was the final grade on it? Did it did it get a passing grade? First, let me start by saying the face you made when you saw it was like, oh, bless no, your okay, heart. No, okay, no. Can I explain? Bless Just, your okay. I would like to effort. add context to this, okay? <laughs> it's it's if you see like um a drawing by a oh, child, man. you're st- it's what it is is it's you recognize that the effort is there, like it's a 100% effort and the final result <laughs> is kind of funny, you know? Oh man. It was sweet. Yeah. I, it was great. It was great. It was gluten-free as well. So I went out I was looking first I was looking for a cake, a gluten-free cake, which is I guess hard to find at 10 p.m. And I'm I'm <laughs> I'm walking around Freddy's like, all right, where's the gluten free stuff? Couldn't find it, so I go, all right, I gotta go old school. I gotta make my own cake because my wife don't do the glute, so uh, <laughs> I had to go and make my own deal. And I realized real quickly how much respect I have for people who decorate cakes. Yeah, for sure. I thought, I mean, you you ultimately did a nice job. Hey, my daughter flamed me. She goes, Mm-mm, Dad. No. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm See, like, dang. Girl. I imagined you drawing the slowest possible like job icing and writing letters and Oh yeah, the I mean, I felt like my, my penmanship was okay, but everything else there's no It was no, legible. There was no theme, you know what I'm saying? No, I'm there saying it's no... like if if your if your child drew a picture of the family and was like, I made this for you, you'd be like, Aw. The worst the worst part about this is I can draw. Like all my kids can draw because I can draw. I used yeah. to doodle have books and all that stuff, but Decorating that cake? Decorating cake is very, nah. very difficult. Nah. Um, again, Tyler Lockett, we are very excited for him to join us. We got a lot to talk about with the Seahawks wide receiver. We're going to get to some football stuff in just a minute, but we're going to get started somewhere else that's a little more important. Tyler joins us right now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Tyler, how's it going? going pretty good how are you doing we are doing great thank you for asking uh obviously it's super bowl week the big game is this sunday we want to be able to ask you about that and the seahawks but we're going to get started somewhere a little more important because this month february is heart month and that's particularly important for you um before we even get started i want to tell fans that you can donate to tyler's healthy heart fundraiser benefiting the groundbreaking research and patient treatment at the center for cardiovascular health at virginia mason franciscan health in two ways. You can donate $30 through the month of February and receive a limited edition t-shirt designed by Tyler. We're going to tell you about that t-shirt in a minute, including why the design looks the way it does. Uh, And then from tomorrow through Valentine's Day, Seahawks fans can make a donation to Tyler's Healthy Heart Fundraiser at Safeways across Washington State. Valentine's Day, get it? It's a heart. I like it. Blitz and the Seahawks will be uh, on site at the Puyallup Safeway on Shaw Road tomorrow from 1230 to 1.30 p.m. If you missed any of these details, I'm going to repeat them at the end of the interview. So let's start with just the question a lot of fans are probably wondering, Tyler, why is heart health especially important to you? Oh, uh, well, I think heart health is just um, important to me because, you know, when I was in the combine getting ready to train, we were doing EKGs and all that different type of stuff. And that was kind of the first time where they ended up finding out in my results that um, my aorta was actually on the other side than where it normally is. 
And so I had to kind of go through CAT scans and stuff like that because they said if it had moved from one spot to the other, I wouldn't be able to play football again. But if it, if I was born like that, then they said that I'd be able to play. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of had to go talk to some specialists and stuff like that. And once they kind of told me that I was good to be able to play, that's when I just kind of realized the significance of uh, just being able to take care of yourself. And, you know, ultimately I was born with it. But when you're talking about heart health in general, uh, you're talking about eating good. You know, you're talking about exercising. You're talking about meditation. You know, with the shirts that we created, the heart of a champion starts with the mind. You got to be able to take care of your mind before you can take care of your heart. Tyler, health is always a, a scary thing, man. What was your, your initial reaction um, when you got the diagnosis? And then um, what was your mental going forward to you know, stay positive in a, in a situation like that? Yeah, well, I mean, it never bothered me before. So I, I wasn't really like, I was more skeptical and curious of what it was that they were saying. Um, you know, when people tell you anything, it freaks you out until you kind of understand uh, more information and stuff about it. And, um, you know, I was just blessed, man. Um, I look at it like I'm a special type of person because a lot of people, when their aorta is on their right side, they got to get surgeries and all this type of stuff. But there's some people who don't have to. And I'm one of those people that don't have to. And they say that everything's okay with me and stuff like that. But it's just a rare thing that they've ever seen before. So um, for me, it ended up working out. But, you know, for others, they're they're not as fortunate, you know. And then there's some people who are fortunate to have a healthy heart and stuff like that. But you still got to be able to take care of it. Uh, all right. Uh, quick question here before we do move on to uh, maybe some Seahawks stuff or, you know, kind of how uh, the Super Bowl is going is uh, – you're, you mentioned your quote, the heart of a champion begins in the mind. That's the quote featured on the T-shirt um, that you guys have and that you design. Can you explain more about what that means to you? Yeah, well, ultimately, like everybody thinks being a champion has to do with winning and it has to do with winning the ultimate prize. And that's not always the case. You know, like we're talking about the Super Bowl right now. Of course, whoever wins, they get the ultimate bragging rights and they get to celebrate because they won the whole thing. But, you know, that's not always the case when it comes to life. And, you know, in order to be a, a champion when it comes to life is just being able to maximize your opportunities and to be able to win at the little things. And I think that's the biggest thing when we're talking about heart health is, like I said, you know, we're talking about meditation. We're talking about um, eating healthy. We're talking about taking vitamins. We're talking about being able to work out, you know, all the things that you would see athletes do in order to win a Super Bowl or have a chance to compete in an NBA championship, you got to be able to come up with those same type of guidelines and scenarios when it comes to taking care of yourself and not just waiting until something significant happens that makes you start to say, okay, let me start taking care of myself now. It's like start doing it before anything significant happens because you can prevent a lot of things from happening. Obviously, Tyler, you've been an inspiration to to guys on the football field, but I imagine you're an inspiration for, you know, people off the football field. Have you been able to connect personally to anyone who's had um, the diagnosis you had or or just any type of heart issues? And, And what's that been like? Yeah, well, I mean, I've rarely been able to talk to a lot of people who have dealt with it and stuff like that. But, you know, the biggest thing that I'll say is just being able to connect with people. It's all about meeting people where they're at. And, you know, for a lot of people, it might have to do with exercising. It might have to do with not being lazy and, you know, being able to get off the couch. But you can always talk to people and be able to relate with them, even if they're able to relate with your situation or not. I think the biggest thing is that we all could work out a little bit more, you know, especially in the off season like me. I could just sit around 
maybe go golf the whole entire time. But, you know, you want to be able to make sure that, you know, you're staying active and that you're doing the things to be able to take care of your mind. And so that's a battle that we all face. The battle's always going to be in the mind. And so that's why when we talk about being a champion or whatever it is that you decide to do in this life, you got to be able to be strong-minded. Um, Tyler, we're going to move on to some Seahawks questions first. Uh, in good fun, I need to put my co-host on blast. Um, he made a birthday cake for his wife the other day. I thought it was adorable. It was it was made with love. She clowning. I was cl- I was clowning on it a little <laughs> bit, but Tyler, uh, you have a fiance. Uh, have are you in the same boat where you've tried to make like really sweet gestures or do something for her birthday or maybe upcoming for Valentine's Day, and you're like, look, I tried my best. <laughs> This is the oh, best I, mean, I could do. <laughs> yeah, probably all the time. I mean, the hard part with today's society on social media is no matter how much you do, it'll never be enough because somebody's always going to one-up you. Mm. And so you just got to be able to hope that, you know, the person that you're with could be able to just accept the fact that she likes her gift and that's all that really matters. You know, like, that's the biggest thing that I've learned. But, I mean, as a guy, you're – you might be wrong no matter what you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I've been married 13 years now. It took me about five to figure that out. So you're ahead of the game, Tyler, already, man. <laughs> um, oh, man. Man, this is something I've always wanted to ask you. Uh, I'm a former receiver myself, and every receiver has their own style. I swear, you can throw up a silhouette of maybe the top 15 receivers in the league, and I'd be able to pick, to figure out who it is just by their style and how they run their routes. And you have your own unique style, which I love, man. Is there someone that you panted after or just something that you developed on your own? How did you develop your style when it comes to route running? I think I developed my style when it comes to route running just off of um, the ability to listen. Um, <clears throat> I remember when I first was training, um, it was this dude named Kojo. He was like my receiver coach um, when I was with Athletes First. And he was teaching me, like, certain routes, you know, route trees. And I'm like, man, we don't do all that at K-State. And he was like, well, if you go to this team, this is how you got to run those routes. And it it was the opposite because, you know, when I trained with one team, they didn't like how I ran routes, but another NFL team loved how I did it. And so one of the things he taught me was you got to be able to know how to adjust based off of who your coach is. And so kind of like the approach that I took in the way that I run routes is – um, I, can, I have a variety of different ways to run routes. It's not just one exact style. I can do stop and starts. I can speed cut everything. And so a lot of it is based off of how I scout the DBs. There's a lot of great DBs that you go against that are really good at the route tree. And so you got to be able to add a little stop and starts and, and, you know, and speeding up and slowing down just to be able to throw them off. And there's other times where you got to look a little terrible in how you run routes because they're really good at reading and reading certain stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to figure out how to go against certain DBs, what they're good at and what I want to be able to use against them. But having that variety helps me out a lot. Hey, uh, Tyler, we've been talking a ton about one of your teammates, Geno Smith, and just how much he impressed us this year. I, I personally, I was so surprised by his performance. Um, but I'm on the outside looking in, right? I'm not a former football player. Uh, like My football IQ is significantly less than yours. So from someone who's within the offense, someone who's on the team, and someone who works closely with Gino, uh, what did you make of, of his season? And uh, what's something we should know about Gino when we're having these conversations? Yeah, well, I think that um, the type of season that Gino had, I don't think it really surprised any of us. Um, 
in-house. I mean, you know, we've got the opportunity ever since Geno came to see um, everything that he could do. <clears throat> and, you know, the thing that a lot of people don't understand, too, is that when he was with the twos, um, you know, when he was there with us the last couple of years, he was always going against the number one defense. And so a lot of people don't really understand that when, when they see people that was on scout team move up with the ones, it's like, well, they've gone against the best defenses a numerous amount of times every single day. And so when he finally got his opportunity, I mean, <clears throat> it just showed that all the work, um, the dedication, the mindset, all that stuff played a part in him finally being able to get his opportunity. Uh, a lot of people, they just want to wait until their chance is finally there. And then it's like, I'm going to start working hard. I'm going to start watching film. But it's like in order for that opportunity to even come about for him, he had to be able to show within those years where he wasn't playing his capabilities and what he could be able to do so that when that opportunity did open up, a team could be able to have that that faith in him mm -hmm. to know that he could be the type of player that he just showed that he could be. Last one I got for you real quick, Tyler. You said a four-letter word that gets me going every time I hear it, man. You said golf. <laughs> What's that golf game like, man? What's up? Talk to me. Man, I didn't play – I played way better right before I didn't came up here. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to being able to play when I get back in Texas. Good, good. All right, let me remind you guys, February is Heart Month. Um, obviously, we were – Tyler, we were so happy to have you on to talk Seahawks to get some insight into the offense. But I did say I would remind you guys how to do this since I had a lot of information at the beginning. Tyler, I'm going to keep you with me so that if there's anything you need to correct, you can let me know. But here's what I got for you guys, okay? Listen, um, this is all for Tyler's Healthy Heart Fundraiser, which benefits groundbreaking research, patient treatment, all that stuff at the Center for Cardiovascular Health out at Virginia Mason Franciscan Health. So there's a couple ways you can get this going. Number one, you can donate $30 through the month of February, not just until Valentine's Day, through all of February, and receive a limited edition t-shirt designed by Tyler and the Seahawks. It's available at Seahawks.com slash heart. And then from tomorrow through Valentine's Day, Seahawks fans can make a donation to Tyler's Healthy Heart Fundraiser at Safeways across Washington State. You got groceries to get? Make sure you check it out. Make your donation. Blitz and the Seahawks will be on site at the Puyallup Safeway on Shaw Road tomorrow from 1230 to 1.30. Tyler, we really, really appreciate you taking the time. We know it's a busy week, but but it means a ton to us, and I know it means a lot to fans to hear from you in the offseason. So thank you again. Thanks, Tyler. Uh, no problem, man. Thank you all for having me. I had a good time. <laughs> Thanks, Tyler. All right, that was Tyler Lockett, kind enough to join us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Let's get to Headline Rewrites. Headline Rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacey. Today is the NBA trade deadline. We've already seen some huge moves. We've seen Russell Westbrook get traded to the Jazz, D'Angelo Russell to the Lakers, but the biggest of them all, Late last night, Kevin Durant getting traded to the Phoenix Suns. What's the real headline? Now, there's a lot I want to talk about with this trade, but the first thing I thought of was, so KD recruited Brianna Stewart to the Liberty and then dipped? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin! Cold world, man. What are you doing? Let's talk about the trade itself. Uh, the Phoenix Suns get Kevin Durant, um, and uh, they also get TJ Warren. Uh, they send over a trio of players, four first-round picks, a 2028 pick swap. So the Suns right now, they're number five in the Western Conference at 30-26. They've dealt with a lot of injuries this year, and we're going to talk more about this trade coming up at 30 after bump, so I don't want to dig too much into it. But there's risk inherent for the Suns with this trade, and it's not like KD has the best track record with injuries, but he's a superstar. 
He's a star, man. When healthy, you got Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Torrey Craig, KD, and DeAndre Ayton as your starting five. That looks good on paper. Chris Paul says he's addicted to the NBA Finals. He's been there once and been there again. But he says he's addicted to it. Hey, this might be his drug right here in KD. That'll get him back there, man. This is, um, they looked it on paper. Vegas has some favorites to win the NBA championship right now. We'll see how it works out. How cool must it be to be a Phoenix Suns fan right, or Phoenix Suns fan right now? Because you got a new owner, mm-hmm. like, what, two days ago? Who's already made moves. And then well, the next day, yeah. Kevin Durant gets traded there. Like, you got to be over the moon right now. Just yeah. like, oh, my gosh. But then, this is what a competent franchise is like, you right? You have to remember, then you live in Arizona. So it's like a give and trade. You know what I mean? I mean. Give and take. I'd take a championship basketball oh. team if I meant living there. Yeah, that's true. That's I, true. I already lived there once. Headline rewrites. Great fast food scene in that state. <laughs> I was going to say, great strip mall scene in Arizona. Headline number two. Russell Wilson's foundation is in hot water for only spending a fraction of their donations received on charitable activities in 2020 and 2021. What's the real headline? Looks like the only thing Russ is cooking is the books. Mm. Russ, Dang. Russ, Russ. There's there's a few angles we can go with this one. And I'll save a lot of it for 1045 because that's when we're really going to get mm-hmm. into this thing. But the bigger you get, the more you want to do. And sometimes that can be detrimental. Sometimes you need to um, cut some some loose ends and focus on a couple certain things. And it sounds like Russ is just uh, in over his head right now. But there are some details that are a little bit uh, disturbing. We'll get to that. It's just not looking good for Russ. He's had a tough, what, 10, 12 months on this earth. Let's see how he bounces back. Headline rewrites. Headline number three, NFLPA President Demora Smith has called for the NFL to end the combine. What's the real headline? He's not wrong, but the combine isn't going anywhere. That's my real takeaway from this bump. I don't think the combine is going anywhere, but he made some valid points about how intrusive it can be and the awkward timing that it comes at for a lot of athletes. Yeah, he made some great points. Really, the combine is there to separate money. How do they divide money? And then how do they devalue players mm-hmm. as well? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? That's why they send you to 32 doctors. They're trying to find something wrong with you so they can get you for the cheap. Very few guys walk away from the NFL Combine and have benefited tremendously. Every year, there's about three to five guys who do. But for the most part, you'll see ballers go over there and not test well on something, and now their draft stock has gone down. What I'm saying, just look at the dang film and see if this dude can ball or not. I understand what the Combine is, and a lot of players are excited to be there, as they should, because you're around the best of the best. But when it comes down to it, man, let's turn on the dang film. Can he run a slant and take a hit? Can he read a cover two defense? Can this edge rusher beat this tackle one-on-one? I get it. You can do without it, but I agree with you. That thing ain't going nowhere. They're making money off that combine, too. Well, and that's the thing. Like, this is a better analogy for the combine than just, like, it's not really a showcase. A better analogy, and I'm not comparing comparing, uh, players to purses. However, listen to this analogy. It's an analogy for the combine, not for players. I used to work at... um, uh, like a designer store at the mall mm-hmm. when I was out of college. And uh, we sold handbags as our primary item. And uh, I one time had this woman come in and uh, and we didn't do like discounts. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like it, this isn't a place where you can come in and like bargain. But she came in 
And she asked to see one of the handbags, and I bring it to her. And this is like the mid-tier bag where it's not like $1,000, right? It's like $400. So she looks at it, and she finds like a seam she doesn't like. So she goes, can I see another one? I bring her another one. She looks for it. She sees another thing she doesn't like. Like maybe there's like a little mark on the bag that she doesn't want. So she sends me to the back to get another one. I bring out like six bags mm. of the same bag, just like unpackaging them for him for her to look at. She finds a flaw with every single one to try to get a percentage off. Finally, she sends me back and I bring out the like the expensive version of that one. She goes, oh, I love this one. And I was like, well, okay, that one's going to be 1200 bucks. <laughs> you want the one that's like really, really nice? That's what it is. But that's what the combine is. It's trying to find as many flaws with something as you can to try mm-hmm. to to try to see what money you can take off. Exactly. It's looking at a million ways that you can find some kind of flaw with a player to where you can... Yeah, make a decision you feel good about, but also try to find a way to not pay as much. Here's a plus of the combine, though. If Tyler Lockett doesn't go through that, do they find um, the heart condition that he has? No, and that's a good point. And there have been guys who have gone through and they have they didn't end up going to play in the NFL because the condition was more serious, but mm-hmm. it was a life-changing find, yeah. right? So there's good and bad. Pluses and minuses. Uh, All right, we're going to get back to the NBA trade deadline, not just to talk about KD, but also because it reminds us of other big trades that did and didn't pay off. That's next. Bumpin' Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle's Sports Station. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. All right. Um, we have a lot of stuff to get to. We have a listener. Can we actually talk about the Super Bowl in all caps? Don't worry, we got you covered. Now, we're going to go Super Bowl heavy tomorrow. We've got best plays in Super Bowl history, big Super Bowl theme show. We've got a trivia face-off between Bump and Curtis about Super Bowl history. So get your Super Bowl thinking cap on. We're going down memory lane. That's especially tomorrow's Super Bowl heavy show. We're diving into it a bit today, but we've just got so many bases to cover today. So we got you covered for football. Uh, First, we're going to talk about trades. Now I'm going to start in the NBA, but we're going to branch off. There was a huge NBA trade yesterday. Of course, you guys have already heard about this one. KD is now with Phoenix. Imagine, Bump, you pointed this out. Imagine being LeBron. You go to bed being like, I did it. You know what LeBron's doing? <laughs> He's sitting on the it. edge of his bed with his hands on his forehead, just like, why? First, I didn't get Kyrie. Now KD goes to Phoenix. First, the fat boys break up. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness. Um, so the reason I bring up this trade isn't just because it's major news, um, but because it starts an interesting conversation about trades in general that also affect, uh, of all teams, the Seahawks. Kevin Durant was traded to the Suns yesterday. Uh, Suns send over a trio of players, a bunch of draft picks. TJ Warren goes with KD to Phoenix. Uh, the Suns right now are fifth in the Western Conference at 30 and 26. They've dealt with a lot of injuries this year. KD has missed 79 of a possible 208 games with the Nets due to injury. Ben Simmons just returned after missing five games with a knee injury. Devin Booker has been dealing with a groin injury. We know Chris Paul's been injured before. So, This is a trade that you look at their top three guys with Booker, Paul, uh, and KD and think like, oh, man, on paper, like stacked, like they've got it. But they have had injury issues as a team, and there is inherent risk trading for another star that has also dealt with injuries. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. With with the Suns, they're the type of team that just needs to get in at this point. Every now and then you have a team that's like, all right, get into the playoffs and see what happens. With the addition of KD, they just need to get in and be as healthy as possible. But you're right. I mean, everyone's banged up on the Suns roster. Yeah. So the thing with trades that this entire thing is teaching us is that sometimes there is risk inherent with trades. Right. Like there is inherent risk to what the Suns have done. You can look at it and be like, oh, my God, they added KD. They're unstoppable. 
they traded away a ton of guys who could help them and a ton of draft picks that could help them in order to get a superstar that can help them now if he stays healthy. And he's only going to be able to help them if Chris Paul stays healthy and Booker stays healthy, right? Because otherwise they've already lost a couple starters. So let's talk about, you know, not just how this trade could pay off, but some other big trades that paid off and some that didn't. Um, so we'll start with, uh, why don't we stick with this one to get started and then we'll ju- uh, jump to some Seahawks ones or some other ones uh, in the NBA. But trip down memory lane uh, for some other trades in a minute. If if this pays off, the Suns obviously become a quick favorite in the NBA. Yeah, man. If um, the Suns needed a guy like this. The Suns needed a just a pure score. You have Devin Booker. He's a scorer as well. But Katie's just a different type of scorer. It's not every day you come across a Katie. Right now, the Suns are fifth in the West. They got the Dallas Mavericks above them. You know, they just picked up Kyrie Irving, watched him play last night. Luka wasn't on the floor with him, so Kyrie was able to do his thing. He looked good. Mm-hmm. You got the Kings, you got Memphis, and then you have the Nuggets. The thing with the Nuggets is can they stay healthy as well? They got Joker. Memphis Grizzlies, do you take them serious? Yes, they got Ja over there. They got Brooks. They got a young core, but they're they not used to the winning. Playoffs. Then the Sacramento Kings, man, I ain't seen them in the playoffs since 85. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not what they do over there. The Suns are set up to make a run. Man, if they can crack this top four when it comes to Seton, uh, I think they're ready to go. Great addition with KD. You got a pure scorer, a guy who can take over the game. And I think this is the perfect situation for him. When he went to the Golden State Warriors, he joined a team with guys already. KD can be the guy, but everybody needs some help now and then. Chris Paul can bring the ball up. Devin Buck can spot up in the corner for his shots. And you let KD take over the game. I like this move. I don't like it for the teams in the West. Yeah. Like I said, I'm LeBron at the edge of my bed with my hands um, on my forehead saying, why, Lord, why? But uh, it, puts them, it puts them in position to go if they can stay healthy. All right, trades that paid off. Let's start there. It doesn't have to be a major blockbuster trade, but ideally it would be. Um, so you could look at, obviously, the Rams made a ton. I mean, bringing in Matthew Stafford, he wasn't the most important part of their team, but I don't know that they get to a Super Bowl that year without Matthew Stafford. Like, if you're going to have a wide receiver get the triple crown, it's because he's got a quarterback throwing to him, right? Like, yeah. we already know that. I don't want to take away from Cup, but Stafford was a big part of that, so you have to give them credit with that one. Uh, it wasn't as much a blockbuster trade, but, like, back in the day, the Saints acquiring Drew Brees from the Chargers, franchise-altering trade. So let's talk about some big trades that paid off. What's one you got? One, I'm going way back. I mean, this guy low-key inspired me to uh, work in the slot a bit more was Wes Welker. The Dolphins got Uh. rid of Wes Welker, I believe, for like a second-round pick and a sixth-round pick. Then he goes over to the Patriots and becomes a standard for slot play. I'm sure they looked at that and said, man, what were we doing? But it's always hindsight. You know, sometimes you're not vibing with the coaching staff. The offense doesn't Mm -hmm. work for you. You make a trade. The Dolphins were looking at that trade and saying, what did we do? We should have used Wes Welker the way that Belichick and those guys over there are using him. Yeah, the fact, that's the first one that popped in my brain because I remember when it went down and the effect that Wes had on that organization is crazy. Can we already say that Seattle's uh, big trade with Denver is one that paid off for Seattle? Oh, yeah, big time. Right? Big time. I mean, it obviously depends on uh, what happens with Charles Cross and what happens with the number five pick they take this year and then both second rounders of, of which Boye Mafe is one. But even then, before we even know the outcome, mm-hmm. I think we can say early that that's a trade, a blockbuster trade that worked out on Seattle's half. For sure. Um, and then on the flip side, not so great news for Denver. Seattle has been on the bad end of trades, though. I mean, already I can see it on the text line with Jimmy Graham, Percy Harvin being two trades that a lot of Seahawks fans think like that was a blockbuster trade. Both were blockbuster trades that didn't work out in Seattle's favor. Yeah. Um, with Russell Wilson, 
that might be one of the greatest moves in Seahawk history. You look at the draft that they had last year, five, six, seven of those rookies got some playing time. You look at what they have in front of them this year, and then you sprinkle in a little Geno Smith to make it that much sweeter because you found a quarterback hopefully for the next two or three years. That might be one of the greatest, if not the greatest trade in Seahawks history. And then to see the way Russell Wilson has fallen from grace over there in Denver, and then you throw on the charity work. Goodness gracious. Russell Wilson, I will pray for you tonight, brother. <laughs> Um, but a trade, a trade that that didn't work out for somebody. Someone always wins in a trade. Right? Always, it's never even. Yeah. Another one that popped in my head was the Texans. Man, they let go of Hopkins and you get oh, David God. Johnson. This guy has 919 yards and two and a half seasons over there and six touchdowns. Meanwhile, Hopkins has 2600 yards, 17 touchdowns. As a team, they haven't done much. They didn't make the playoffs last year. But you look at what he's done over there in Arizona, and you say. He just keeps getting better. And it wasn't even a first-round pick as part of that trade. It was like a second-rounder in Johnson, which is crazy. Uh, Curtis, I wonder what you think about this one. Um, We have uh, some Mariners trades uh, in here. Dang it, I just lost it. Uh, They have the Jay Buhner trade. Yeah, that one worked out famously Uh, to where it was referenced on an episode of Seinfeld. I know. What's the worst Mariners trade? I can think of two Worst Mariners trade? There have been a few, but... The two that stand out to me are trading David Arias, who later became David Ortiz, for Dave Hollins, a Minnesota Twins third baseman. Hollins actually played pretty well for the Mariners after they traded for him, but uh, obviously David Ortiz became a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is the Heathcliff Slocum for Jason Veritek and Derek Lowe. Two guys who were instrumental to the 04 yes. Red Sox championship. Uh, Texter um, just sent that in, Robin Samoa. But one trade in recent history that worked out for both sides famously is the Bills and Vikings swapping Stefan Diggs for a first round pick that became Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Oh, I don't man. Think, I, I don't think either team regrets that trade in any way. There are mm-hmm. so few of those. I mean, yeah. the closest I can possibly think of that's a recent example is. Um, you can't see the payoff immediately for the Chiefs. Rather, I think it didn't hurt the Chiefs. The Chiefs sending Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins. It's more like it was a win for Tyreek Hill and the Dolphins, and then the Chiefs didn't lose. Chiefs saved money. The Chiefs saved money, yeah. not extending Hill, who wanted a lot of guarantees, like $73 million guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Hill got his money in Miami, but also still took off in Miami. Yeah. And was still like uh, a top three receiver in total yardage. Actually, that's a... That's a trade that worked out individually for Tyreek Hill and And then collectively for the Chiefs. Yeah, and then it was a good trade. Yeah, that was a good one. It's like a good Um, faith trade. Another bad trade. I got to go back to my Lakers, man. You know, we have some glory days and then we have some dark days as well. We traded four draft picks for Steve Nash at one point. Four draft picks for Steve Nash, a guy that we used Old to Steve cook. Nash. But you got Old all those Steve. rings. But you got not all MVP. those rings. Not MVP Steve Nash. Not MVP Steve Nash. We're talking gray Nostalgic hair. Steve Nash. Short hair Steve Nash. We're talking Steve Nash to just be like, wouldn't wouldn't it be cool to have, wouldn't it be funny to have Steve Nash on the team? Yeah. yeah. Long hair Steve Nash was the best. Long hair Steve Nash when he's constantly fixing his hair behind his ears and licking his fingers and getting ready to toss one to Stoudemire. That's the Nash that we wanted. We got the other guy. Uh, the text line is screaming in all caps, Eric but Bedard. Which I believe that trade went down, it was like eight years ago, or it was like uh, 15 years ago or so, yesterday or something. Yeah. Uh, Sonics trading Scotty Pippen. 
Yeah, I'm trying to look one. at like good ones. That Jimmy are, like, Graham wasn't trade. a bad trade to me, man. People, I, Jimmy Graham did nothing thank wrong. Thank you. Jimmy, Jimmy Graham, Graham did nothing wrong. Curtis and I have been on that on. train. Bump, say it louder for, for the years. people in the back. What's they, your take on the Jimmy Graham trade? They just used him wrong. Thank you don't, you. Jimmy don't put his hand in the dirt, but you know what he did do? He had 10 red zone touchdowns. Yes, and almost 1,000 yards. You know what? The the best season from a tight end in franchise history is still Jimmy Graham. And no tight end has had as many yards as Jimmy Graham did in his final season since then. So since 2017, no one has had close to that kind of yardage. And that was like Duck Baldwin was still here and healthy. It's not like Jimmy Graham was just the only target. It's like they finally figured like, oh, my God, we should throw this guy in the red zone. Like, wouldn't that? He's a tall dude. We should we should do that. I'm with you, Bump. Curtis and I have been on that wagon. We say it every time. We we hear the word Jimmy Graham, and we say what, Curtis? He did nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. That's exactly right. Uh, all right. Uh, coming up at 11, if uh, Geno Smith and the Hawks don't agree to a deal, where could Geno actually land? We're going to look at some free agent landing spots. Who's competing for quarterbacks? Because this also is uh, some teams that are going to be competing for Drew Locke, too. Don't forget, you got two unrestricted free agent quarterbacks. Before then, Russell Wilson found himself in hot water over allegations about his charity. That's next. Bumpin' Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On Seattle's Sports Station. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. All right, as a reminder, you can listen to us anytime and check back on the rest of the show if you miss any of it by subscribing to the Bump and Stacy podcast wherever you get your pods, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Please rate and review. If you do subscribe, we'd really appreciate it. Russell Wilson has found himself in hot water over allegations that his charity, the Why Not You Foundation, is spending less than half of its uh, donations on the actual cause itself and on charity and on the Seattle Children's Hospital. Um, there was this report in USA Today, and uh, there is, I think, a version that isn't behind a paywall at AZ Central and Yahoo Sports, but it's part of a five-part series on uh, the Walter Payton Award winners charity and how athletes get involved with charities, and sometimes that goes sideways. So Russell Wilson is not the only athlete to have been involved in like some kind of charity scandal. He's not even the only athlete featured in this series. Want to stress that. Secondly, though, uh, it's not a great look. And I think it brings up a bigger conversation about like how charities sometimes like too many of people who don't know quite how to do things get involved and then everything gets messed up. But either way, it's not a great look. So according to the USA Today feature on this, about 24 cents of every dollar raised by the Why Not You Foundation actually went to charity with the bulk of the income and donations going to the organization itself and employee salaries and bonuses. You need to pay employees to run a charity, right? The people aren't volunteering their time. Like Charities like this are multi-million dollar companies that need to pay salaries for people that are employed. The problem that the author highlights, Bump, in USA Today is that for the size of the charity of Russell Wilson's, which is like a, a $1 million to $5 million annual foundation, the size of the uh, incomes is in the 95th plus percentile yeah. of those sizes of charities. Yeah, it doesn't look good on paper. It's not good in reality. This was a, a six-month investigation. This didn't just happen over yeah. a couple of weeks. Or whatnot, and it just sounds like they fabricate what they do when they're really taking care of the people who help them do it. The three executives in his foundation, in total, were a four four hundred and forty one thousand dollar expense. They said, "Look, we donated two point six million dollars to the the 
Children's Seattle Children's Hospital. They really donated. Well, they presented a check for two point six million. They really only gave them seventy eight k. It says, um, which is three percent, three percent over twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. It said uh, they spent six hundred thousand in benefiting charities. That's not true. They spent one point one on salaries, though. Now it takes people to run a business, like you mentioned, to run any type of business, nonprofit, for profit. We understand that. But it's the messaging and the illusion that you're doing more than what you're actually doing. My defense for Russell Wilson, if there's any type of defense for Russell Wilson, it's that he's not he's I mean, he's the president of this this charity, but he's not the day to day person. He hires someone else to be a day to day person. That person is relying on someone else. And when you don't check in, there's no checks and balances. Things start to go wrong. And that's on him. End of the day, it has to be on him because he is the name. He's the representative of this thing. But this is what happens when sometimes you get big, you hire people to do jobs, you don't check up on them, and things start to happen. Now, there is another scenario where Russell Wilson knew exactly what was going down and was okay with it. From what I know of Russell Wilson, I don't think that would be the case. So I give mm-hmm. him the benefit of the doubt, but it just doesn't look good. He's responsible for that. And it's unfortunate. He's Like I said, he's had a tough 10 to 12 months on this earth as Russell Wilson. And you combine that with the way that he's been playing football, and now you bring the charity into this, there's going to be people ready to pounce on Russell Wilson. And uh, the messed up part is he low-key deserves it because he's the quarterback of the Denver Broncos who played poorly. Mm-hmm. He's a president of his charity who looks like they're doing some shady business over there. I mentioned the author. That author, Jason Wolf, joined Brock and Salk this morning uh, to talk about a couple different things. So there's two big things when it comes to this. One is how Russ's own foundation exaggerated donations and some of the issues with that. And the second is that the issue is bigger than just Russ. Let's focus on the first part. Uh, this is him explaining Russ's foundation and kind of what happened there. Much of what you know the Russell Wilson Foundation does is terms of saying that, oh, well, together we donated $10 million with Safeway and Albertson to Seattle Children's Hospital. It's like, okay, well, yeah, that might be true. Um, but when you look at the tax records, it's like 800000 from the Russell Wilson Foundation, and it's $10 million from Safeway and Albertson. And half of that money was donated before Safeway and Albertson says they even partnered with the Russell Wilson Foundation. So, you know, you have this nonprofit that's, that's taking credit for, for doing more than what its tax records reveal. I mean, it sounds very much to me like a foundation that is meant to donate to Seattle Children's and uh, help with the, lift up the community, which are great causes, is just overpaying a handful of employees. Yeah, Like that's what simply mm-hmm. boiled down to its simplest form. What it sounds like is drastically overpaying employees that are within the organization. And Jason Wolf went on to say, you've had people saying, oh, people with the Red Cross make, you know, $400,000. The Red Cross is one that works with billions (laughs) of dollars. So you have significantly more people and resources to account for. This is one where the expenditures for employees does not make sense with the size of the charity. That's not a slight on Wilson. That's not a slight on whoever. But it's a problem with how a charity is run. And Jason Wolf mentions, look, this is a bigger issue than just Russ. That's something that I really want to make clear to to everybody in Seattle. I understand this is a five-part series. Part two, which is on Russell Wilson, ended up on Yahoo through some partnership that USA Today has, and that was free. And so that obviously blew up. But this is a much bigger project. It's a much bigger issue than just Russell Wilson. There are tons of guys, including other Walter Payton Men of the Year Award winners, who have had lousy charities, fundraising events that have lost considerable money, 
uh, nonprofits that have spent a, a quarter uh, of their donation uh, of their donations on actual charity over the course of a year. Um, and, and this goes back more than a decade. It's something that the league and the union are aware of. Uh, they encourage guys to be philanthropic, to give back to the community, but they're not doing enough to educate these players on the front end to avoid these issues. There's plenty of corruption in lots of different fields, including in charities, big and small, in and outside of sports. This series Jason Wolf is working on is specifically about Walter Payton Man of the Year Award winners and that these guys that give back to the community, some of them are involved with charities where they kind of lose track of how things are going and how money's getting funded and how employees are getting paid, and it kind of gets out of hand. And there's been more than one example of that. And Russell Wilson's is an egregious example. Too many hands sometimes. Yeah. And if you are a nonprofit, tax-exempt organization, you better be sure you are moving as if because the government don't play. They, they will don't. find out, and They'll they will come you. after you, man. It's um, look again. Russell gets the benefit of the doubt for me, yeah, up same. to up to now, because I don't think he moves like that. I don't no. think that malice is in his heart like that. There are people under him who aren't doing his job. End of the day, he is responsible because it's his charity and he's the president. That's the thing. Like Russell Wilson really did go to Seattle Children's every single Tuesday, which yeah. is the only day off players have. Like all of the things he did for the community are real. Um. But I hope this is one of those examples where a player finds out that this happened. Like there was one about Calais Campbell finding out about something about a golf tournament, finds out that this happened, and then decides to fix things. Yep. But that's the entire point of the series. Interesting to see, uh, you know, the the guys that are involved in here. And obviously, this is a much bigger issue than just Russ. But that is the latest that you need to know. Uh, coming up next, Geno Smith is an unrestricted free agent, meaning uh, he may not come back to the Hawks. So if he doesn't, what are the other markets that are competing for his services? And don't forget, Drew Locke is also an unrestricted. Restricted free agent. He's going to be included in this conversation too. Don't go anywhere.